the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The Gospel of John, more than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, show Jesus being on a timetable. It was a heavenly timetable, not the earth. Again and again, you'll hear his hour had come. Matter of fact, chapter 13, verse 1, where we start today, says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be with you on Exploring the Word. And this segment is in the Gospel of John, and the second as well. The third one, we'll take your Bible questions. We look forward to that as well. But Alex, uh, Jesus, again, now let me run this by you, and I'll throw it to you. John chapter 2, verse 4, Jesus says, Mine hour is not yet come. Chapter 7, verse 30, His hour had not yet come. Chapter 8, verse 20, his hour had not yet come. Chapter 12, verse 23, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And then in 13, 1, Jesus knew that his hour was come. Sounded like Jesus was in control of the whole time, brother. Amen. Amen. The sovereign timetable and providential care of God. And you know what? The Lord is in control of our own time timetables. The Bible says our days are in his hand, and that's a great comfort in that, isn't it? It really is. And we need to depend on that and know that, that we can depend upon him to carry us through and to, at that time, in, in great need, he is there. Uh, have you noticed in Paul's missionary journeys at specific time, Uh, the Lord would appear to him and say, I've been with you, and I'm going to continue being with you. Uh, Man, again, I haven't had the Lord to, you know, come directly and speak to me, but the Word of God has come to me directly and spoken to me that I'm with you, Alex. God, God does speak through his Word to our hearts, doesn't he? Well, he really does, and you know, one of the things, and and I know we're going to be in John chapter 13 today, and uh, folks, if you can get a Bible and follow along with us, we'd be glad that you did, and I think uh, we'll all benefit from looking at the Scriptures together, but I've I've always loved Psalm 37, 23, where it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Now, the way that Old King James renders Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Now, that's our years, our days, even our hours, and critical life moments. And, Bert, I've talked to people that you know, young men that are in the ministry and they want to do great exploits for God, as we all do. And I've talked to people that are in the crucible of life's stresses and things. And look, whether it's your dreams and goals or whether it's just surviving it through a a deep valley, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And like the Gospels say, my hour is come. God is in control of history, and God is in control of our days, and that is such a great comfort, and it just might be somebody right now that needs to just gently be reminded, look, God's got this, (laughs) that thing you're going through, the Lord loves you, God has got this, and dear believer, God is with you. Amen, Alex. That is a word of comfort, especially during the time of Christmas season uh, when when if it's the first year you've missed your loved one, it's it's a critical time, and no matter if it's been twenty years, it's still that time. But God has brought us through, and in the chapter thirteen, I, I love this chapter. Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and some of the most encouraging words in verse three. Now, I don't, well, you can go back to one and two, but I wanted to speak to this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. 
After that, he poured out water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel by which he was girded. When mm. I see those words, he laid aside his garments. Alex, what he did at the incarnation, uh, he emptied himself. That's from the divine kenosis that you find in Philippians yes. chapter yes. 2. Uh, he laid it aside, not not. Now, not him being God, but he laid aside the omnipresence of God. While Jesus was in a body, he could only be in one place at one time. He mm-hmm. he came down from the right hand of the Father to dwell among us. Uh, when I see that word laid aside, uh, it's not just his garments, but it's it's who he is. He's He yeah. came to serve, didn't he? Well, he really did. And, you know, every now and then people will say, you know, well, God is unlimited and God can do anything. And and that's true in that God is omnipotent. He has all the power. God is omniscient, has all the knowledge. God is omnibenevolent. God is all good. But sometimes, Bert, every now and then people will kind of, in they're wanting to legitimize certain sins or things. They'll say, well, you know, God can do anything. God has set boundaries around reality and what he will do. For instance, God is never going to betray his word. That doesn't mean God is limited. It means God in love and power and righteousness has revealed some things about how this world works. And God is never going to betray what the Bible says. And God is never going to betray his own nature. God is holy and God is righteous. And there will be no unrighteousness in heaven. And like you say, when Jesus was here, the emptying, the divine kenosis, how Christ voluntarily, while he was here on earth, he he restrained his some of his supernatural abilities. He didn't cease to be God. But you're right, when the Lord Jesus was here in a physical body, he Jesus was not omnipresent prior to the resurrection. And, uh, you know, he seems to have even voluntarily limited some of his omniscience because regarding the time of his return, he says, uh, not the Son of Man or the angels, but only the Father in heaven at that point knew. So what I'm saying here is uh, God operates in an orderly way, doesn't he? He does. With that being said, go back to verse 2, and it says this, and supper being ended, we're talking about the Passover supper, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas, is carried Simon's son to betray him. He was there. This time of revelation is going to take place. Uh, they won't know it for a while, but Jesus washed their feet. Now, Alex, I want to ask you, is Judas there when the foot washing takes place? Sure seems wow. like it, doesn't it? it absolutely. Does that and, not just yeah. grab your heart? It does mine. Well, absolutely, it grabs my heart, and yet in verse 11, Jesus knew who would betray him, and he said, not all of you are clean. But yeah, even the betrayer is ministered to and gets his feet washed by the Savior. That is amazing, unconditional love, even though it's a love that Judas would reject. Can you imagine Judas having Jesus, this, he's seen what Jesus has done, He's heard what Jesus has said, and yet he lets him, he's there. Uh, I, I would say that's the height of hypocrisy, you know, uh, yeah. when we see Judas's carry it there. And and I, I want to say those who are listening, listen, God loves you with, with a love that cannot be described. Uh, the word that says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, that so cannot be measured in in human terms how much right. he cares. And even here with Judas, uh, he was there when Jesus said, uh, Judas was there when Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the heavens. And Judas was there and hearing that. What a call that was. What a call this is. Judas had every ample opportunity to turn to Christ he did not. Now, God, did God know he would not? Yes, I know that. But God knowing does not take away the accountability and the responsibility of Judas. Well, you know, verse 2, it says, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas 
uh, Iscariot to betray Jesus. It's interesting, Bert. I was looking in the the Greek, um, and for instance, devil is a diablo. We know that word diablo, the devil, and it says he had put into the heart of Judas that he should betray him. Now, what? There's two kind of nuances to this word. He laid it in front of him, and he dropped it before him. Now, the devil is still in the business of laying stuff before us. We could call them temptations. We could call them traps. But be careful. This is why you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to be in prayer, communing with God. You need to be in the Word so you'll have discernment. But Satan is still laying traps in front of us. And verse 2 He had put in the heart of Judas, laid it right in front of him to betray Jesus. And sadly, that was that was uh, an option Judas embraced. He did betray Jesus and Jesus knew it, but yet he washed his feet anyway. This is amazing. This chapter 13, he has interaction with Judas. He has interaction with Peter here, you know, and he will have interaction with John some. And, but here with Peter in verse 6, it says, Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered, said to him, What I am, a, what I am doing you, uh, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Uh, this, I, I know there's some real spiritual things, but I guess got to say this. This is classic Simon Peter. Peter. This, this is classic <laughs> Simon Peter, isn't it? It is. All in or all out, you know? Uh, I, I'll say this thing for him. He, he's not a halfway guy, is he? Good, good old Peter. This is why he is, as you may remember, one of my favorite Bible characters, Lord, I'll never let them take you. I'll, you know, they'll have to come through me to get to you, essentially. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And so here he says, I'll never let you wash my feet. He meant it in verse 8 as, you know, deference and honor to the Lord. Jesus said, okay, well, unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. Peter goes, well, then every bit of me, head to toe. (laughs) That is exactly right. We're going to get back to more of this encounters that Jesus has with his disciples. These are close encounters. These really are. Upper room, uh, they're glorious, and John gives it to us in detail. And we're going to go over more details when we come back with more of Exploring the Word. American Family Radio Listening Family, this is Bible League International, and we've spent the last few weeks telling you about persecuted believers praying for Bibles to be able to endure and persevere in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We told you about Pastor Rusis, whose three sons were murdered by a terrorist group that hates Christians, but rather than retaliate with violence, they invited these people to learn about Jesus. 200 have come to Christ. They need Bibles in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight when the family could not pay the ransom. They kill the deacon. They torture Pastor Yusuf. But with conviction today, that brother can say it's an honor to suffer for the Lord. AFR listeners, you've given so generously in recent weeks so that 9,000 Bibleist persecuted believers now have a Bible. Our goal is 16,000. So in this season of giving, at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. A deep sense of hope keeps you pointed toward the future. But Dr. Tony Evans says it also has an important benefit in the here and now. He'll take us to Hebrews 6.19 today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Why is this principle so critical? He says this is an anchor for the soul. What does an anchor do? It holds a boat steady. When the boat drops the anchor, it keeps the boat in place in spite of how windy it is outside. So the wind is, the wind is blowing all over the place and the boat may be rocking, but it never leaves the pier because the anchor has been dropped. This is an anchor for the soul. The reason you need to know 
about. I need to know about the priesthood of Jesus Christ is it will hold you steady in bad weather. It will hold you steady when it's not working out at home, not working out in the job, not working out with the finances, not working out in the health, not working out in, in your mental well-being. If things are not just working out for you and you are tempted to be blown away, but if there is an anchor that holds you steady in spite of the turbulence you are facing, he says it holds you steady and it is a sure and steadfast hope. Discover what the Bible calls the blessed hope, the confidence that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross can free us from sin and guarantee us an eternal future in heaven. That assurance can be yours today. Visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link in the top menu. Tony has a short video that'll explain everything and some free resources that outline the next steps. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. So glad you're with us. We're in John chapter 13, and I hope already, even though we're early in the month of December, I hope you're already feeling the Christmas spirit and just that joy in the knowledge that Christ has come. Our Savior was born in Bethlehem, rose from the dead, and in spite of this this, uh, turbulent world, hey, we have peace in our soul because the Prince of Peace is with us. Well, we're in John chapter 13, and uh, we're going to take calls later on in the show. As you know, we get to Bible questions a little bit uh, from now. So here's this number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. You might want to begin to get in the queue with your telephone calls already. But, uh, Bert, in John chapter 13, you know, Jesus washes their feet, and he had said, you know, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. I mean, there's a lot to understand. Uh, we are saved through Christ alone. We're washed clean. But then, as born-again believers, we are to serve others. And there is no uh, respect of persons with God. If, if the very Son of God could do this humble act of washing and serving, then we, we should serve and... Uh, prefer others above ourself as well. And when we're being a servant, um, that's being a lot like our Savior, the Lord Jesus, isn't it? It is. And washing feet, a Jewish male washing feet, they could not be made to do that, you know, even to their master. That a Gentile servant could, but not a Jewish servant. But Jesus voluntarily demonstrated this, Alex, uh, there's no other act except him going to the cross that demonstrates his servanthood more than this. Uh, now, washing their feet wasn't. It, this, we're not talking about ceremonial. We're we're talking about men. This is just washing. Washing feet. They had sandals. Uh, they walked the streets that were unpaved, and animals were in those same streets. And so we're talking about a task that uh, not everybody would volunteer for. But Jesus did, and he voluntarily went to the cross. That This is a picture of him just loving and caring so much. So we want to tell everybody that's listening today, nobody ever cared for you like Jesus. Nobody ever has loved you like Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus Christ cares and loves you. And I want to just tell you, Alex, I found out he has a great plan for our lives. Once we come to him, uh, you was talking about those steps of a godly man. Those steps, uh, they, they may be hazardous. They may be difficult. But I want to tell you, it's the greatest adventure you could ever be on. Oh, wow, that is true. And 
he's able to bring you back up onto the path Amen. if you've run into the ditch. Amen. Um, Amen, Alex. You, uh, whether by circumstances unforeseen or sin or disobedience or procrastination. Uh, Bert, I was in Pittsburgh to preach several years ago and had a great privilege of preaching at a predominantly black church in the in, inner city of Pittsburgh, and a man came forward, and he just tearfully was weeping at the altar. We prayed together. He was saved, and he confessed to me that God had called him when he was in his late teens to be a missionary, and he was now 60, and he wondered, you know, could God still use me? And the answer is absolutely yes, of course, absolutely. And uh, let me just say to everybody listening, uh, Jesus is that humble, loving servant what a menial task, like you said, those dusty streets, streets of animals and uh, all that. And he did this very menial thing. I mean, you wouldn't think of a king bowing to wash the feet of his subjects. And yet the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he did that. And Jesus has a plan for you, and Jesus loves you no matter where you are in your journey, if you'll just turn to him. Now, he says... In verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I've done unto you, I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And that's true. Uh, But then it goes on, and there's going to be a quote from Psalm 41. The one who eats my food has turned against me, or as... uh, Psalm 41, 9 says, My close friend whom I trusted, the one who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Now, Bert, when I read about a foot or a heel, this is amazing. Back in Genesis, it says the serpent will bruise his heel, but his foot will crush the serpent's head. There's so much here, folks. Feet and heels, what are we talking about? Well, Adam and Eve fell, and then the seed of the woman would come, and the serpent, the very same devil that tempted the human race into iniquity and sin, would try to bruise the heel of the Savior. Now, you can survive a wound to your heel, but to have your head crushed is fatal. But you know what? Jesus would die on the cross but rise again. And Satan would put a a heel wound in Jesus, but Jesus would crush fatal, terminal injury, kill the serpent. And uh, just all these things of these allusions to feet and the betrayer predicted by Psalm 41, I know this is a lot, but it's all coming together the greatest story ever told, and oh, P.S., this is truth. This is reality. Amen. A lot coming together here, isn't it? It really is. I want to make one reference and uh, back further, and he says, you should serve one another. That's what he said in verse 14. You also ought to wash one another's feet. We have been called into servanthood. We're to serve one another. And Jesus, as you said earlier, Alex, The example is that. And again, he says in verse 19, believe that I am he. He is the one. He is the one that would crush the head of the serpent, Alex. And then he says, most assuredly, I say to ye, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and who who receives me receives him who sent me. He could have added, I and my father are one here, you know, as he does elsewhere. And that's what he's talking about. He's getting these men. This is a private meeting. This is in the upper room. This is not Pharisees and crowds looking on. This is Jesus and the 12 at this point in time. It's about to be the 11th, but he is really encouraging them. Uh, He knows his time. As it says, his hour had come. He is implanted in them. And one of the things he's implanting is servanthood. Another one is God the Father, God the Son. When you receive me, you receive the Father. When you receive and hear from the Father, you're hearing from me. So, Alex, uh, Jesus is equipping them. 
Uh, this is what he would say to John, uh, excuse me, Peter, later on in John, feed my sheep. This is an example of it, Jesus feeding them. And by what? By an example and by teaching. That has not changed for those of us that are under shepherds, is it? Well, that's true. That's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, let me say whether it's the content of what we proclaim or the structure of how we lead churches and ministries and just the the overall ethical boundaries of ministry and how to do it, uh, it's in the New Testament. That's why whenever I hear of, you know, preachers or churches deviating from the clear boundaries of the gospel, hey, the, the answer is we've got to get back to the book, and we've got to do it by the book. Um, speaking of the, the link between the message and the messenger, uh, Jesus says this, um, I'm not saying that these things uh, to all of you, I know the ones I've chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. We mentioned that. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. So even in his betrayal and death, he fulfilled all these prophecies. I tell you the truth, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. There's the, the, the Father, the Son of God, the children of God that are the messengers. Let me just say this, Bert, that... There is a link between the message and the messenger and the Messiah, okay? Yeah. Uh, Just as Jesus is the incarnate Logos, the Word of God sent from the Father, in many ways, and I want to be careful how I say this, but we are the incarnation of the gospel to a lot of people. Um, Now, we Christians, born-again believers, we do not become God. We are redeemed humans, and we are to be Christ-like, and one day we'll get a glorified body, but we don't turn into deity. Humans never become God, but we can be godly. And and my my point here is that, do you know what? Uh, Jesus was brought to me by a lot of very godly people who had walked with Jesus, not the least of whom my grandmother Joy, she went blind and had me read the Bible to her. And then Angie, who got me in a Bible study, and I got saved at 21. But I think about this. In many ways, Bert, uh, don't we become sort of like the incarnation? We're not winning people to us, but we're, we're winning people to the Jesus whom we represent. Christmas time, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us. And he chooses through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and dwell. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been taught that, I want to tell you, that's that's the result of you receiving Christ as Savior. The Holy Spirit comes in and he indwells you. He will lead you to all righteousness. And that is it, Alex. You're You're exactly right. As he comes in... And, and he lives in through us. The Bible says they'll see our good works and glorify the Father. We yeah. are. We don't work to get our salvation. We work because of our salvation. And Amen. God has done that work in us, and we demonstrate it. Uh, and, and that's why it's so important outside the walls of the church. Inside the walls of the church is important what we do. But what we do outside the walls of the church is so much of a greater witness when they see you going to church, that's a witness. When they see you being right with the Lord and doing the things that God that pleases Him, uh, it is a testimony. So be that living testimony, that living message, Alex, that you were talking about. And with that in mind, verse 21, we don't have a lot of time, but we're going to introduce this, and we'll probably cover the rest of chapter 13 tomorrow. But we do need to introduce this at least. When Jesus had said these things, now, again, he needed to say that. He was encouraging them. He was showing them. He was demonstrating them. But when he said this, here's a a very verse that I find interesting. He was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Uh, I don't know exactly what the troubling in his spirit was, but again, 
He's on God's timetable, and it was time to announce this. One of you will betray me. Now, Alex, everybody said it's Judas Iscariot, right? Well, they didn't know. They didn't <laughs> they know. They did not. So that does that tell you how good a cover-up job this dude had done? I, yeah, man, he was under the radar. But 25, everybody says, is it I? Is yeah. it I? And um, maybe you've been to a church play where this was kind of vividly acted out. And, you know, part of part of the disciples' responsibility is to search their heart. But they're wondering, I- is it me? And, Bert, I've got to believe there was maybe not only a little bit of a question, but even horror. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, goodness, I hope I wouldn't fall away. Yeah. And, you know, we, we're secure in Christ based on the promises of God's Word. But let me say this, in a world where people that you never dreamed would sell out the gospel or fall away or compromise their witness, Bert, I think we've got to every now and then ask ourselves, is it I? You know, examine yourselves and see if you be in the faith. And back to 1 Corinthians 15, die daily. Um, Look, the best—it's funny, I was um, on a phone call last week with a— you know, public relations um, group that AFA uses and then I use to promote my books. And we were talking about scandals and everything. And uh, Debbie Hamilton, who is brilliant, she said, well, the best way to control a scandal is to make sure one never happens. Amen. What well, great. It, Amen. Isn't that a good word? That is a great word. And stay with God, walk with God real quickly because we've got about a minute and a half before we go to break and then come back with phone calls. Notice what happens. Now, there was one, after he said one of you is going to betray me, there seemed to be one of the disciples who had a real close connection to Jesus. Matter of fact, he was seated next to Jesus, and it says the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spake. Now, there was leaning on Jesus, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him, ask him, who it is. Then leaning back to Jesus, he said to him, Lord, who is it? In verse 26, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped it, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And Mm. not everybody heard that conversation, but John did. And John now relates this in his gospel. Alex, uh, Jesus was not surprised, was he? No, he wasn't. And I want to say, while this was exposure of the betrayer, it was not compulsion. Judas didn't have to do what he did. Jesus revealed it and exposed it, but nothing made Judas do this other than his own fallen will. He did. He did it. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. We've got people online already, but try to get yours in. 888-589-8840. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. What is the most important truth that you'll ever hear? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. What is the message of the cross of Jesus Christ? The cross of Jesus Christ just screams out, I love you. Discover the power that is available to you through the cross of Christ. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart each weeknight at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for healthcare. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. 
That's right. No fee to join. 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The U.S. Supreme Court is hearing oral arguments in the 303 Creative versus Elena's case. The issue in the case is whether the state of Colorado has the legal authority to compel Lori Smith, owner of 303 Creative, to design custom websites for messages that violate her deeply held religious beliefs. That has landed her at the Supreme Court. This could be an early test of the breadth and scope of the newly passed Disrespect for Marriage Act. The conservative majority at the Supreme Court could offer a shot across the bow concerning free speech and religious liberty in this case. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. If you got pain. Well, Jesus is the chain breaker, and we're going to pick it up tomorrow about midway through John chapter 13. And um, hey, I want to say this before we go to the calls. We had a question about a week ago about the chronological Bible, and there, there were, Bert and I mentioned a couple of good, you know, Bible timeline books, but two that I think are really good regarding a chronological Bible. Uh, Thomas Nelson puts out a New King James Version, uh, New King James of the chronological Bible that is good. I, I have owned one, I gave it away, that's really good, and then Tyndale Publishers that I have written for puts out a chronological life application Bible. Now, Bert, you might remember the life application Bible has a lot of just personal application It is great. It is great for discipleship, isn't it, Alex? It really is. Think of the two T's, Thomas Nelson and Tyndale, and you may find what you're looking for there. Amen. Well, we've got people online, and they've called early, and they're holding, and we want to go to Julie in Tennessee. Welcome, Julie. Hello. Thank you for calling today. What's your Bible question? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I've seen a commonality of young adults coming out of colleges recently. Um, one was my own included, which was raised in a Christian home, went through Christian schools growing up. And she, along with some of her friends and others, are questioning the validity of the Old Testament. Um, this has been an issue I don't know how to answer. I, I want some advice scripturally of what I can go to in the Bible to show them why the Old Testament is still valid, and it's still just as good today as it was then. Amen. Thank you so much. Let me share one or two things here, Julie, that I wanted to share, and Alex, I know, can answer that in an awesome way. But listen, when uh, a group of people who are missionaries goes to an unreached people group, they do not publish the Old Testament first. They usually publish the Old Test, the New Testament, and usually, guess what? They produce first the Book of John. The Book of John is the first book that's usually translated and given to them. It is that vital. That does not negate the Old Testament. Paul said this was for our examples. And and let me could you get by on the New Testament and be saved? The answer is yes. Could you get by on the New Testament and grow in Christ? The answer is yes. But there would be so much unknown, Alex, because Hebrews, the book of Jude, so much of those, especially those two, refer, I would say close to half of what they do refers back to the Old Testament to be understood there, doesn't it? It really does. And by the way, thanks for calling in because you ask a really, really great question. And 
let me say that since the time of Charles Darwin in 1859, he published his you know book about evolution on the origin of species. Well, let me just say since then, in the academic world of Europe and America, the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, has been subjected to unrelenting attacks. Now, here's the assumption. They assume that life evolved, and in a similar way, culture and religion evolved. Now, I believe that the Old Testament is the revelation of God. I believe there was a literal Adam and Eve, a literal Garden of Eden, Moses, uh, Abraham, all of that is literal, and Jesus took it literally. But see, what, what kids are being taught in college, and I, I know I was taught when I went to a secular university in the late 80s, um, they're taught that uh, the, the God of Israel, the Yahweh, was not the eternal God who revealed himself, but it was the result of centuries of evolution. And rather than God making man in his image, man made God in his image. That, that's false. But kids, and it usually comes through either a cultural anthropology class or, quote, a world religions class. Now, what is the answer to this? Uh, and I, I'm grossly abbreviating how the attack on the Bible goes, but the attack on the Word of God ultimately becomes a denial of the Son of God. And what our universities are producing are nice little skeptics who get a degree and lean left, and mom and dad paid for it. I think the answer is is multifaceted, Bert, from... Toddlerhood up, we need to teach kids in church uh, apologetics, defending the faith. That's why I do camps, summer camps and things like that. But then, Bert, before we let our kids graduate and go off to school, we need to help them understand that, you know, Jesus affirmed the Old Testament. Jesus said not one jot or tittle would fail from the Word of God, and by that, he was meaning what you and I would call the Old Testament. But, Bert, we've got to know what we believe and why we believe it and hand it off to the youth. And fortunately, more than ever, we've got great resources to help do that. We really do. And let me just share with you, uh, Julie, uh, the answer is, I mean, you can read the New Testament. Yes, it makes sense. But the complete story, uh, I don't know if you remember Paul Harvey, he used to do, and the rest of the story. Part of the story, significant part, would be left out. Uh, it is the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. And so it together, it is a powerful tool in the hands of a believer. So thank you for calling. We want to go to Iowa, and it is Gene. Gene, welcome. Yeah. Uh, my question is, has Satan ever been punished? Um, uh, you have Armageddon. Everybody was destroyed except a few. Lot and his wife became salt. Uh, the flood and uh, eight were saved there. But we're right back where the. Okay, we're having trouble. We got. We got. I hope you're listening, Gene. Yeah. Uh, we we got it. It was uh, Sodom and Gomorrah that that was happening and make sure we got that it was just a misspoken but yes satan has been punished he was kicked out of heaven but yep, alex yep. his ultimate punishment is coming not now yep. but it is in the future and luke uh, you, 10 let me, 18 yeah, let me say this he you said it the other day the reason it's getting so bad is he knows his time is drawing near yeah. Uh, in Luke ten eighteen, the Lord said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan has been initially punished by getting kicked out of heaven, and now he's down here on earth. Uh, but his final punishment, being cast into the lake of fire for eternity, it's coming, and that may be very soon. By the way, we had one or two people to drop out, so we've got lines that are open. So if you want to call in, we think we can get two or three other calls. After we talked to Edwin in Louisiana. Edwin, welcome. Edwin, are you there? Okay, we're having trouble. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Alex. Alex, welcome. Yeah, I, hey, how y'all doing? Doing great. Good. Welcome. Alex, thank y'all. Uh, 
my question today is, you know, we talk all the time about that. You got to be have that change in your life. You've got to be born again. Uh, and we hear about people being delivered from that, from alcohol, homosexuality, et cetera. So what's some things we can look for in a child that's not these obvious sins to be born again? Alex, thank you for this great question. I want to just tell you, Alex, talking with children, leading them to the Lord has always been a, a, a grave concern because children, uh, th- they can be manipulated, but at the same time, uh, you know, Jesus said we as adults have to come as little children. When Jesus talked about the children uh, being left out, he said, let the children come to me. He didn't say they had to become. Most of the time, they're already filled with some faith. They're already there. So what do you look? Uh, here's what I look at, and I've looked at this many times, Alex, is leading children to the Lord as a pastor, my own three sons, uh, look at the idea of their trust, of them growing in the Lord, of caring. Do they have a heart for God? Uh, do they want to 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 be a part of of caring for others? It it really does demonstrate itself more as I would say as they're still children. Don't get me wrong; they're still children, but they have a heart for God, Alex. You know, I um, think about Sean McDowell, the son of Josh McDowell, and Sean, Sean McDowell is just a great brother in the Lord, and of course his dad, Josh McDowell, has touched so many millions of lives, my own included. But Sean talked about when he was a, a little child and he made a decision for Christ. But then in his late teens, he kind of had this season like, is it really real? And he uh, he said, I had to own my own faith. I think it's a beautiful thing, Bert, when a, a little child, four, five, six, seven-year-old child, prays and puts their faith in Jesus. But uh, the parent might ask, how do I really know it's really real? I think several things. You know, obviously, we don't expect a little child to know a lot of deep theological you know, words or something like that. But the child has a concept of knowing that Jesus loves me and that, that I want to live to please Jesus. And I, I knew right, I did wrong, I disobeyed God, I was a sinner, but by asking him, Jesus washed my sins away. And then, Bert, I'm going to say this. We use this word conviction, which means you, you know you've sinned and you feel bad about it. Even a child can demonstrate conviction, and even a child can exhibit the uh, characteristics of a Holy Spirit-controlled life. And it's a beautiful thing. I've met little children, and and you can see the Holy Spirit at work in their life, giving them joy, understanding that, uh, you know, I need to follow the Lord, not fall to temptation. So I would say, Mom and Dad, pray about it and saturate them in the Word of God. Have a quiet time before bed. And Bert... uh, Angie still has this little Bible story book that she had as a little bitty girl, and we've read that to many a niece and nephew and grandchild. And I I just think it's a beautiful thing, not only for the benefit of the child, but for the benefit of mom and dad to have devotions with the child before they go to bed. Amen. That is so important. And let me just share this with you. Even when they get to be teenagers and they think they're too big for you to come into their room and pray with them and talk with them, Go into their room and pray with yeah. them. Don't stop. Yes. And uh, let listen, stay with them. Uh, so children, let me get it to the bottom line. I, I think what you're saying, Alex, is you're looking for that that reality. You're looking for them to, to want to know him, to, to please him. There's a joy. There's a pleasantness in them. They're still children. They're still going to make those uh, childhood choices. And uh, they got to overcome selfishness, just like all of us do. But uh, they can know the Lord, and you're looking for it. But stay with them. Let's go to Kentucky. Greg, welcome. Hello? Yes, you're on, brother. Go right ahead. Thank you for calling today. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. I just love, love your show. I, I listen as often as I can. As often as I can. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So the, the lady that called, uh, and I'm working. I didn't hear your answer. Uh, your complete answer. She called about uh, the validity of the Old Testament. And the only reason I wanted to call is when I, the first time 
I really read and I saw Jesus in um, Luke 24, the Emmaus walk, as he revealed himself through uh, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Um, it just opened a whole new world for me in my Bible study. And I started to see Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And um, maybe you already covered that in your answer. If so, forgive me, I missed that. No. <laughs> um, but uh, that was just, uh, when she said that, it just came flooding back to me how valuable seeing that in the Emmaus walk um, was for me. And I, I would love to hear you guys expand on that. You hey, do it so man. much better than I could. So, Greg, uh, thank you I'm, again not, for your show. I'm not sure we could do any better than you did. I agree. The two on the road to Emmaus and then the Emmaus walk that people can go tie them in. That's what I was trying to say. You can have the New Testament, but I am telling you, you put the Old Testament and you see the connection. Alex, good preaching, good teaching. We'll take it and they'll show from the Old Testament how it did and how it relates in the New Testament. So, Greg, thank you. Alex, you got anything to say? Want to get to one more call if you. Uh, John 539, Jesus said, Search the scriptures, they testify of me. That's the whole uh, and, idea. Um, one of the best books, though, by Norm Geisler, he, he wrote this book, To Understand the Bible, Look for Jesus. And there's a lot in about Christ in the Old Testament. It will bring the Old Testament alive. It really will. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Paige. Welcome, Paige. Hey, Alex. Hey, Bert. I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate what you do. I honestly feel like I'm part of God's family during this time. Um, it, 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 I feel like we're all so connected. Amen. And I just want to tell you that I think you have the hard job. I teach Sunday school, so I get the precious little ones. And when I teach and from God's Word and tell them the Bible stories, they believe. It's not like the adults who pepper you with all of these questions. Um, the children believe. So I just wanted to say thank you and how much I love being a part of God's family with y'all. And hey, thank you for amen. what you do. It's super important. Amen, Paige. Thank you for teaching those little ones. That's the heart of God. And mm -hmm. uh, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Alex, uh, Paige said it well. They, hey, so, Jesus so, did so, it. That settles it. <laughs> you have made my month. And you're right. We are a big connected family, and we thank the Lord for that. We do. And thank all of you for calling in today tomorrow we're going to look at john 13 the rest of it may get into chapter 14 uh we're going to try to finish john before we start christmas and uh so we're going to move along pretty quickly in these last few uh weeks but we're thanking you for listening to american family radio it's a joy to be a part of that family that Paige was talking about and alex it's a certainly a big joy to be a part of the exploring the word family isn't well, it absolutely is. Folks, we've got a lot to be thankful for, for AFR and the great programming, but most of all, the message, that there's a true message and there's a risen Savior and He loves you. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.